welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. Voters in dozens of communities across Michigan cast votes in yesterday's elections. Yes, you may not have known it, but yesterday was an election day here in the state of Michigan. There were school millages, bonding, and other questions on the ballot in lots of places. That's These were not marquee elections by any stretch, and as I said, you may not even have known they took place. But yesterday was historic because it was the first election in Michigan that has been conducted almost all by mail. Governor Gretchen Whitmer and Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson authorized sending out absentee ballots to all voters in those jurisdictions to discourage in-person voting because of the coronavirus pandemic. So now the question is whether that system or something similar can be replicated on a much larger scale if we're still social distancing in August or November, which are the next big elections here in the state of Michigan. Here to talk about all of that is Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson. Jocelyn, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks. Good morning. Yes, it's good to hear your voice. So let's start with how yesterday went. This was in some ways a pretty grand experiment. Uh, did things go off the way you expected them to go? I think it was a very inspiring day and things went better than expected. We had 180,000 ballots cast in this May 5th election. 98% of them were cast by mail. And turnout was more than double what is typical for a May local election. It was at about 24%. Uh, it still uh, it might even get to 25%, which is double the average of 12% for a local May election. So by all metrics, it was a success and, and really an uh, affirmation that even in a pandemic, Michigan citizens want to vote and weigh in on critical issues facing our communities and our society, and that we have the tools that we need to carry out elections that are safe, accurate, accessible and secure. So a victory for democracy all around and, and really an, a testament to the strength of our local communities and our clerks who worked so hard to make sure every vote cast was counted and, and secured. Yeah. So so I want to go back to that number that you mentioned there, 98 percent. There wasn't a breakdown uh, available of the kinds of voting that took place yesterday. So you're now saying that the the vast majority, in fact, the overwhelming majority of ballots were cast absentee in these in these right. elections. Yeah, they were cast by mail, and uh, you know it's close to two hundred thousand voters in our state who who participated, and uh, of those two hundred thousand, about eight hundred and fifty voted in person, which is always an important avenue to preserve because voters um, who may be disabled or for whatever reason may simply just decide to vote on Election Day itself need to have that avenue for doing so. And what was really encouraging was through a lot of voter education and our effort to also mail absentee ballot applications to every registered voter in a jurisdiction with an election to pay for all the postage for returning and receiving ballots, uh, which we did at the state level to make all this possible, uh, really enabled uh, citizens to access this right that they have to vote by mail. And then the in-person side, I, I visited personally uh, a dozen or so localities because every jurisdiction had one place where people could vote in person yesterday, and typically the clerk's office. And everyone was wearing masks. Everyone was wearing the PPE that we provided them. And we had, again, about just over 850 voters 
statewide show up in person, which averaged about 15 people per location and about two people per hour. So people still took advantage of that ability, but there was no crowding. Everything was spaced out. Everything was safe. Uh, and that, you know, again, it was really encouraging to just set, to show how weeks of preparation and focus and using data to, to build this infrastructure led to a successful local election. And, you know, now it's on to August and November. Mm. So, yeah, when we talked in April, you said the decisions you were making leading up to this election were made with August and November in mind. So now that that mm-hmm. process has played out, do you think this is something that can be scaled up for these larger elections? The the numbers become much, much bigger, of course, in August and November. I'm not sure how much that perhaps complicates the process, but what did you learn yesterday about the potential for these bigger elections? Well, we learned, one, that when citizens know they have a right to vote from home, they, they more than likely may choose to use it. And so, you know, and we know that with certainty in August and November, one, the elections will be held. They will be held on time and on schedule. And secondly, citizens will have that right to vote from home. And so our work is going to be between now and then making sure they know about how to access that right if they choose to do so and preparing for any uh, contingency, whether we're out of this, out of the woods uh, with this pandemic or in the same place we are in now with the pandemic. We've learned uh, that our clerks are also ready and, you know, we hope to expand that uh, and those lessons learned to more clerks who didn't have elections yesterday, continue to provide them PPE and everything else that they may need. Uh, but but what we now basically have is a blueprint for how to operate elections in a pandemic. Uh, and it's one that, um, that's been tested and, and successful and will help inform decisions we make as well as, you know, weighing expectations of public health officials and others uh, in the weeks ahead to determine how to best proceed for August and November. Uh, My guest is uh, Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, and we are talking about the elections that took place here in Michigan yesterday. Not big elections, not statewide issues, but local issues in many municipalities were on the ballot. And this was the first time that we had uh, voters receive absentee ballots, all voters received absentee ballots for those elections because of the dangers of going and voting in person associated with the coronavirus pandemic. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Tell us if you live in a community that had an election yesterday. Did you vote by mail or did you go into the precincts, which were still open uh, and able to allow you to cast a ballot there? We really want to hear about your experience. Do you like the idea of voting by mail instead of going to the polls? And do you think mailing out absentee ballots to all voters ahead of time is something maybe we ought to always be doing? As always here on the phones, the number is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Also give us a call and tell us if you think this is not a good idea, if you have real concerns about the idea of mail-in ballots as opposed to voting in person. Uh, what are your concerns uh, and how would you have handled something like uh, an election taking place during a pandemic? Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, Jocelyn, Republicans did criticize you for moving forward this election with this election some Republicans did uh, including your Secretary of State predecessor 
who is now a state senator, uh, Ruth Johnson, she and others said you should have rolled these questions into the August election. Uh, I'll give you another chance to address those criticisms now after we've had uh, the election take place. Uh, what what was the thinking that went into saying, we're going to go ahead with this, even though it requires us doing it differently? Well, I think first, the, the remarkable increase in voter turnout and high level of voter engagement really disproved everything that our critics, uh, including uh, State Senator Johnson, said. You know, clearly there were not significant issues if we set the record for turnout and doubled the average in the local election. So, uh, you know, my hope uh, in particular is that um, that our state legislators, many of whom we worked with in, in, in uh, preparing for May 5th, will focus on passing the legislation that we need to support clerks around the state build on the successful model we just implemented and ensure we have the tools we need to implement vote by mail for future elections and continue to do so successfully. But importantly, uh, with regards to the calls from um, local legislators uh, in some communities that we postpone or cancel democracy, cancel this election, my view was that set a dangerous precedent and certainly also was a decision that had to be made, if at all, in conjunction with the local communities who would be most impacted by um, the canceling of a local election. So what we did was uh, we consulted with clerks from both parties uh, once we saw that the May 5th election would likely be happening in the midst of the pandemic. And we asked them to give uh, those who put questions on the ballot for May, mostly school boards with local millages, the option to move their election or their question to August. And what we found is about half of them chose to do so. Uh, and that reduced the number of places with elections uh, from you know about uh, over 100 to just about 50 in 33 counties. Uh, but what we also heard from were the folks who can, said we need this election May 5th were school districts who said if we don't have this millage on the ballot May 5th, uh, we may not be able to open our school in the fall. We won't have money to do so. So these were critical local uh, questions that, again, turnout shows voters wanted to weigh in on. And it's our job at the state level to just make democracy happen, to administer it not put our thumb on the scale or try to make decisions for local communities uh, that would unduly harm them, uh, especially when we have the tools to move forward safely uh, and protect the democratic process. Mm. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to Melissa in Detroit. Melissa, what's on your mind? Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm, I have a relative who worked the polls of Detroit years ago at the old Cobo Hall, mm-hmm. and he told me that there would be baskets and baskets of spoiled absentee ballots because of some technical problem with them. And I wonder whether the move to absentee ballots on a large scale runs the risk of disenfranchising large numbers of people. Because of those spoiled ballots, right? Yeah. Uh, yes, the tendency to spoil the ballots uh, uh, because you can't fix it once you mail it. Right. Great question, Melissa. Uh, Jocelyn Benson, there is a higher incidence of spoiled ballots with absentees because you can't uh, fix them as easily as uh, as other ballots. Uh, talk about how that issue gets addressed when we have so many people casting their ballots that way. Yeah, it's such an important issue to really take on, and it's one that we've really prioritized beginning from when I, when I took office, uh, recognizing that this right to vote by mail that 70% of Michigan voters voted on in 2018, amending our Constitution, creating it, 
required us to tackle issues like this and make sure voters were educated of exactly how to cast their ballot by mail and do so securely. Uh, one of those issues is making sure people sign the envelope that the ballot is placed in uh, when they return it so that we can, our clerks can verify that the person returning the ballot is, uh, you know, matches the person who registered to vote. That's the most significant way we protect the integrity of the process. And a lot of times in the past where we had a previous system, voters would not sign the ballot or sign the envelope, meaning that, and, the, and then what would often happen in, in the past is those ballots would be spoiled. So we redesigned the envelopes uh, last year to make it much more clear where to sign it, how to sign it, to make the instructions much more user-friendly. And we found that in the elections which we've had, and this is now our fifth election, uh, we've we've had one in Detroit, the March 10th election, but this is our fifth go at at this process uh, after um, three elections last year and now two this year. The number of spoiled ballots has decreased significantly to something like 0.002% from you know upwards of one or two percent uh, in the past because of these um, these more clear um, ballot envelope designs and and a number of other things we've done to educate the public. So uh, so so the the art of of democracy and administration of democracy means focusing on details like that, working with our poll workers, our election workers and clerks to see what they're experiencing on the ground and addressing them as we can. But it's also one of the reasons why I convened an election modernization task force in 2019 to really bring a lot of these issues to light so that we could tackle them and address them in, in, in the in the months leading up to this year's elections. Um, so I, I thank the caller for uh, that really important point. Uh, know that we're working uh, with our local clerks in Detroit, Wayne County, and elsewhere to um, make voting more accessible and and ensure that we minimize and eliminate uh, those types of errors uh, under this new system. Again, Melissa, thanks very much for the call and the question. Let's go to Ruby in Ferndale. Ruby, welcome to the program. My concern is that Congress has not addressed the meddling that occurred in 2016 in our election. And I feel in, in this pandemic um, era, we have a perfect storm whereby uh, ballots, absentee ballots or mail bo- mail-in ballots will be clearly identifiable and people are cash-strapped. And I see where mail clerks, city clerks, secretaries of state, they can be paid off to intervene while the ballots are in transit. Mm. And that is the serious concern mm. uh, that I have. Yeah. Ruby, I, I appreciate the call. And again, uh, you're sharing your concerns with us. Uh, Jocelyn Benson, she's not the only one who feels like this process is sort of more open to, to, to meddling. The president of the United States, who himself voted by mail, we should note, uh, in the last election, uh, says that he has real concerns about uh, security and and making sure that ballots are not uh, interfered with because of the mail process. Uh, talk about how you manage those issues as Secretary of State yeah. here and whether Congress has done enough, as Ruby says, to try to fix the meddling that we know occurred in the elections process. We don't know about uh, actual votes that were manipulated or, or, or changed. But we do know that there was a lot of interference in that election. Certainly. And election security has been a, a, a critical 
a priority for my administration, recognizing that the uh, threats to the security of our elections that we saw in 2016 that have been demonstrated and, and identified by the Senate Intelligence Committee as, as well as others did not begin in 2016 and they will not end with that election. So we have to stay vigilant against any attempts to um, thwart the will of the people uh, and manipulate the process. And also we need to ensure that voters can have confidence in the process and know everything we're doing to protect the security of their ballots, whether they're cast in a polling place or whether they're voted by mail. And two things I'll, I'll emphasize on that, and, uh, and, and, and I think it's a, it's a very significant conversation that I know we'll continue having this year, but two things to emphasize are, are first and foremost, we um, are, you know, ballots sent by mail and the paper ballots we have in Michigan cannot be hacked. We will always have that paper trail uh, and uh, to to verify the results of the election. And on top of that, we are implementing statewide audits for this year's elections to ensure that the ballots, the paper ballots, once cast through machines, are actually the machines are actually counting them accurately and 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 demonstrating uh, accurate results. And so we will be mindful in checking that process and protecting our infrastructure from hacking with the verified paper trail that our ballots including those cast by mail, create. Um, but the second piece is the voter confidence side. We want to ensure, and we know that there are many voices, uh, including that of the president, that may seek to sow doubt in the integrity of our elections for many reasons, uh, in part because voting by mail is a new system, in part because this time is a, a, one of great uncertainty. Many of us are, are living with a state, in a state of high anxiety and, and fear, and we, um, you know, I want voters to know and feel affirmed that even in this state of uncertainty, their democracy is, is protected. It is sacrosanct. It's one of the reasons it was so important to move forward with yesterday's elections and demonstrate how to run elections securely during a pandemic. But we'll also be working to be transparent uh, and, uh, and and ensure voters um, have access to all the information they need to feel confident that their ballot once cast is counted, including implemented, implementing ballot tracking, which we uh, are working towards having in place by November so citizens can track when their ballot has been sent to them, if they choose to vote by mail, and they can track when it's been received and can track whether it's been counted. If it's not been counted or rejected for any reason, they'll have an opportunity to cure it and make sure it is if it's a valid ballot. So we're, we're working over time to put all these provisions in place so that the security of our elections is, is protected, but also so that voters can have confidence in their vote and in our process. Mm. Uh, let's go to John and Warren. John, welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm calling in because I think pretty much everything that was just said is a complete farce. Uh, I requested a ballot. My son requested a ballot. We both live here in Warren. Neither of us got our ballots, but we couldn't vote directly because there apparently had been ballots sent out. Uh, and dealing with provisional ballots is such a big pain in the neck. Was it worth the hassle? Uh, I have no idea if there have been ballots cast in my or my son's name, but mm. they certainly wouldn't be ours. Mm. Uh, you guys would have no idea. And there's, you know, this concept, I have no idea whether, you know, people are taking ballots like that and voting in other people's names. I also have no idea if, if the this doubled representation is just somebody dumping ballots into the system because they know people don't vote. And hmm. there's no real good way you guys have, have ever suggested that you could prove differently. So you're saying, so John, just so I'm clear, you're saying you, you suspect that someone maybe took your ballot and... And I have no, filled I, it out. I have no idea. I, I, all I know is I didn't get them, mm. wasn't able to vote, 
And I always vote. And my son, you know, he's just a new voter. So, but he this would have been his second vote. And you went down to the po- you went down to the polls yesterday. Is that right? We went to the polls, and then you know it was like, well, they sent the ballots out. So I'm like, all right, well. And you didn't want to cast a provisional ballot. I no, that's such a pain in the neck. And and I don't know whether that would get kind. Of, I've never ever seen that really work. So. Yeah, I'm happy to to okay. uh, thank ahead, you. Um, yeah, I'm happy to to handle this be- or you know respond because um, we do have provisions in place, and I talk with the Warren clerk uh, Sonia regularly. Um, so one, uh, I I would assure affirm um, that uh, sort of take it piece by piece. One, um, if you requested a ballot and did not receive it, one we have a record of all of that um, with the in within the statewide voter file, so we can always. Uh, confirm when someone has requested a ballot, when they've been sent a ballot, and then when it's been returned. And so if at any point in the the process, and and I'll mention this is why that ballot tracking system I just talked about is going to be so important, so you can real-time track all these things. Um, But at any point in the process, you can also contact your clerk and say, I haven't received my ballot, I haven't um, I'd like to return it. And that's why we kept the one um, in-person option available in every jurisdiction yesterday so that in situations where someone either hasn't received their ballot or, or hadn't returned it yet, they'd be able to show up in person. And what happens if you were to, let's say, show up in person and, and the clerk had sent you your ballot, uh, you would that's all in our system. And as soon as you show up and, and um, affirm your identity, the clerk can uh, has the authority to uh, in, invalidate whatever ballot was sent to you and give you a new ballot right then and there. But again, we would be able to confirm first that indeed that original ballot had not been returned. Or if it had been returned, we would have been able, we have that in the system to confirm that too and then begin any investigation, which we would take very seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm happy to follow up with the clerk on your particular um, circumstance, but certainly our clerks, when voters show up on election day, have the authority to reissue a ballot if it's been lost in the mail and invalidate the previous one to ensure there's no double voting. Uh, and then secondly, you know, to enable you to, to cast that vote in person. It's not a provisional ballot. It's an actual ballot. Uh, and so um, so all of that are, are the rules in place. We can, again, look to see if in, in any situation at the local level those didn't come to fruition. And again, we, we work overtime to protect that security of the process, also adding that signature verification, meaning that whenever any ballot is mailed back, it must contain in, it must be in an envelope with the signature of the voter on it. That's how we affirm that the person returning the ballot is the voter themselves, because we match that signature with their voter registration form. And I was in touch with many clerks yesterday who had questions. We've issued more standards about how to protect the sanctity of that security match, that signature match. So that's another provision that we'd want to make sure um, worked and, and is in place here. Uh, but that said, uh, you know, it, it, we work closely with uh, the Warren clerk and uh, we're in touch with her throughout the day. So happy to, to look into this particular situation. It sounds like from your experience, a number of different protocols might have broken down and we're happy to address them and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and you know, uh, make sure that you feel confident in the future that your vote will be counted. And John should reach out to his clerk or to the Secretary of State's office to, to sure. follow up on this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, please do. And you yeah. can even send me an email. Anyone can at any time. I'm at secretary at michigan.gov. So we're happy to look into any particular situation. And, um, you know, we take every um, aspect of the security of the process very seriously. And, uh, and you know, uh, we, we appreciate when voters bring them to our attention so that we can make sure if there was any breakdown in the process, it can be addressed swiftly and effectively. Okay. Jocelyn Benson, Secretary of the State here 
in Michigan. Thanks for very much for being with us and uh, explaining everything about what happened yesterday. Always great to, to hear from you, Stephen. Always great to be on the show. I'll come back anytime. Yes, we'll talk with you soon. Up next, we're going to take a look at how West Michigan Congressman Justin Amash is shaking up politics with a possible presidential run. Stay with us on Detroit Today.